to SKUcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs in the promotional products industry. SKUcast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SKUcast is the official podcast of Common SKU. Today's episode is part of our SKUCon speaker series. This is where we track down our speakers who will be joining us at SKUCon in Las Vegas on January the 8th, 2017. In these discussions, we'll get a sneak peek of what they'll be talking about and why their teachings are particularly important to staying ahead in the promotional products industry. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Saul Colt to the SKUCast today. Saul is the founder and creative director at Saul Colt, the idea integration company. Saul's work in the fields of experiential, word of mouth, and stunt marketing are legendary. In his career, he has worked his marketing magic with several prominent brands, including Zipcar, FreshBooks, Rogers, and Zero. In his free time, he collects Nike Air Force One sneakers, watches a lot of movies, and just happens to be the smartest man in the world. Saul is also a friend of mine from Toronto's vibrant tech community, and I couldn't be more excited to have him as one of our keynote speakers in Vegas. Saul, welcome to the program, sir. Hey, Mark. Thank you very much for that introduction. You, know, you said you're excited. I'm I'm crazy excited to, to be participating in this event. It's really shaping up to be something interesting. Well, and it's not often that I or every day that I get to speak to the smartest man in the world, which I suppose leads me to my first question. What the heck is up with you being the smartest man in the world? Well, so um, I, I'm going to I'll be honest with you. I, you know, I, I needed something interesting to stand out from the crowd in the early days of the Internet. Um, but over and over and over, I have proven myself up to my self-appointed title so much that now Google confirms it. So there's no denying I am the smartest person in the world. That's right. I'm going to have to go and do a quick Google search to validate this. But so, Saul, so as I said in, in the intro, you and I have known each other for a long time um, from the Toronto tech scene. Uh, mention the word Saul Colt in the Toronto marketing startup communities. Everyone would say, oh, yeah, I totally know that guy. But in the world of promotional products, a lot of people don't know you. And I'm, I'm curious if you can give us a little uh, background on like what exactly your story is all about. Sure. So, so my story is, is actually a quite simple one. Uh, I'm one of North America's best word of mouth marketers and everything I do, every project, every, every idea I have is about getting attention. And, and I think that plays really into uh, very well into obviously the promotional um, services you know, world because it's all about being memorable, having a leave behind, getting your brand out there and things like that. Like all I care about is that people remember me and they remember the projects I work on and they remember the brands that I'm doing projects for um, because, you know, there, there's lots of discussions about is marketing an art or a science. Uh, I fully believe that it's both, but you can't even start the science part until you've done the art part. And I live so far into the world of the art side of marketing that it's all I think about. It's all I care about. And, and, you know, if I've made a little bit of a name for myself, that's wonderful because I've really, I slave over the things I do and I, I, I try to only do things I'm really proud of. Right, right. And I'm curious as to like how you got into this line of marketing. 
follow your career since um, I think we first met when you were at FreshBooks, like way back in like 2006 or 2007. Um, and your career has taken this really interesting path. I, I'm, I'm just curious for you to maybe highlight for listeners as to like how one becomes an experiential marketer and ultimately North America's best word of mouth marketer. Like how, how did you get from there to here? So when you say my career has taken an interesting path, you mean like a roller coaster path, right? <laughs> um, yes. So uh, how how I uh, how I got to where I am is is sort of an old story. Of I, I'm not a classically trained marketer. I grew up in a family business until I was in you know my my early 30s or late 20s, um, and I never had any mentors or people whispering over my shoulder saying you can't do it that way. So you know I took great chances and I would do things that would make people scratch their heads. And I sort of learned that the whole head scratching thing is really to your advantage. And I just kept proceeding down that road. So everything I did uh, was always about, you know, getting a reaction, getting attention. You know, I, I push the limits a lot and, you know, I, I rub people the wrong way sometimes. And I've even worked that to my advantage. So um, how did I become North America's best word of mouth marketer? The 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 long that's the short story the long story is um i grew up in a family business i loved working with my family but i also had desires to do other things so i started a comic book publishing company and i was making superhero comics and asking you to pay a dollar more for characters you didn't know a dollar more than like superman batman and spider-man um and for characters that you didn't have an emotional connection to and to get people to actually buy those books, I do some crazy things. Um, but like I said, because nobody ever told me I couldn't do it and I was really doing these things out of almost like a, a survival mentality, um, I actually developed unknowingly some amazing formulas and amazing best practices to create you know, really interesting, exciting experiences for brands that I've sort of carried off into the sort of the later part of my career. Right, right, right. And when you think of the various channels that are available to marketers, how, in your opinion, does word of mouth stack up to the other tactics that are available to marketers today? So word of mouth should always be the foundation of everything. But mm. word of mouth isn't really a channel that you can own per se word of mouth is like you have to create experiences that people will share so that those experiences can be through social those experiences can be through different platforms they can be on instagram or wherever wherever, wherever. um but they have to like connect with people so i almost never um talk about the tools to use uh, because the tools come and go and, and, you know, right now the, you know, everyone's talking about Instagram stories and things like that, but Instagram stories didn't exist three months ago or four months ago and bad with timelines. So getting caught up on the tools isn't really the thing you should get caught up on. It's really get caught up in the, the why and the philosophy and the how to get like, you know, create memorable experiences because Anytime anything's memorable, people will share it. And I love this stat. And a lot of times I, I just make up stats, but I'm going to, this is an actual stat that's not made up. 87% of all word of mouth marketing happens offline. So yeah. real conversations are happening, you know, in line at the grocery store and they're happening at, you know, kids' soccer games and they're happening here and there because it's all just, you know, a friend turning to somebody and saying, Hey, did you know this? Or, Hey, did you know that? 
So, you know, you have to create those experiences so people can actually have those real world conversations. And again, it comes back to, you know, promotions are very much a real world grounded thing. A lot of the stunts and, and spectacles I do are grounded in real world activity. I hope it drives people to social and I hope it carries that way. But I, I very rarely start start at the the digital level and try to get people to, to work backwards. Right. So it all, always starts offline and then percolates, you know, elsewhere offline and then hopefully finds itself in the digital universe. So that way it can scale and, and uh, get a broader audience. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Cool. Okay. Um, all right. So I, 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 you've, you've done a ton of crazy stunts for the various companies that you've worked for. I'm curious if you can highlight maybe your favorite stunt and what kind of results it brought in. And I'm being nebulous when I say results, because it, it may not necessarily be business results. It could be other kinds of results. And I'm just curious as to um, what, what determines or what leads to a successful word of mouth marketing stunt. I'll tell you, before I come up with any idea, we start with the the goals first. So yeah. if somebody just said, here's $10,000, go do a stunt, my first thing is always going to be just build a robot and do something funny. Um, right. But it's all about the goals first. So, And you can't really track results if you don't know what the goals are. So sometimes for the stunts, the goals are customer acquisition. Sometimes for the stunt, goals are sell a product. Sometimes the goals are just media. So. Right. If you know what the goals are first, it's a lot easier to figure out what the results are and was it a success or not. Um, I have to tell you, I've done so many stunts, like so, you know, big scale, small scale that, um, you know, like it's, it, <laughs> they're, they're all my children. But I'll, I'll tell you one of the, the ones that I, I almost never talk about. So I, if, if anybody does their, their Googling on me, they'll see there's like four or five things that I beat to death because it, those are the stories people always ask about. I'm going to tell you a stunt I never did that, um, or I've never spoken about that I actually thought was really cool and interesting. And, and I think it's, it plays in what you guys are all interested in because it involves like swag. Yeah. A couple of years ago, um, maybe four or five, I'm bad with dates. Um, I, uh, I snuck into the Austin Convention Center where they, they host um, South by Southwest. It's a big uh, music and technology festival in Texas every March. And uh, we got a helium balloon tank and we rolled up T-shirts. We tied them with, uh, with you know, ribbon and we, we lifted them up to the ceiling. And we did it a day before registration. So when you walked in, there was 200 T-shirts um, stuck to the ceiling and everyone hmm. noticed them. And it became a, like a, a spectacle uh, because people want to know when they were coming down. And every now and then, <laughs> you know, a little air would, would let out or the pressure would thing. And all of a sudden, a T-shirt would slowly glide from the ceiling to the floor. And awesome. when, once they all started coming down, it became the thing. Right. Everybody was wanted a T-shirt, and you know you can get people to line up at your booth for a T-shirt. You can get you know get you know pretty girls or pretty guys to stand out in front of a corner and hand out T-shirts. Very rarely do you have three hundred, five hundred people salivating, staring, <laughs> fixated. When are these T-shirts going to fall for the ceiling? Um, because like it, and everything with word of mouth is just adding that extra element of interesting. To like, you know, you want to give something out, but how are you going to give it out in the, the most interesting way that people are going to like cherish this thing as opposed to just, you know, putting a sign saying free something and having people come up and, and ask you for it. So a lot of 
what I do is really just like taking things to another level to add a conversation point to it. And, and that's like one of my favorite stunts that, that um, I almost never talk about, which I don't know why, because it's such a cool um, idea. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, that is really, really cool. And I'm just curious because I've done a lot of trade shows at these, at these bigger places. Like, did you get a call from security or something to, to you know, shut you down or try to shut you down or was it all in the up and up or, How or is, being so, a stuntman all about tr- uh, sort of navigating that gray area. In, in seven years of, of stunting South by Southwest, I've gotten seven cease and desist letters from their, <laughs> their lawyers. So much of the, so that, um, and this might just be my ego talking, but I'm pretty sure they paid a lot of attention to me by about year three and whatever loophole I found, they shut the next year. So one year, uh, we got all street permits around the convention center to do a bunch of crazy things and they did not like that and they tried to shut us down, but I had legal permits to be there. So about six hours after the conference finished that year, they bought the street permits for the following year. Like they were always <laughs> shutting down whatever little things I could come up with. I'm like a mad genius. I could probably cure cancer, except I'm more interested in, in you know, building brands and things like that. That is true. Well, you know, you, you are the smartest man in the world, you know, to go back to that original theme, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't surprise. Um, okay, so I want to switch. Or, sorry, I've got one thing to comment on that I, that I thought was interesting with what you had um, and in terms of how you answered that question. So you said to me, listen, it's all about the goals at the beginning, and then the stunt can then go and serve those goals. And if I think about you know, my time, um, in building right sleeve, of course, in the promo business. And if I think about all the, all the other folks that I know in the promotional business, like one of the big challenges that we have as an industry is that a lot of people will, um, default to just selling stuff. So someone calls up and says, Hey, I need a hundred t-shirts or, Hey, I'm going to a trade show and I've got a thousand dollar budget. I need some stuff. And a lot of times, I mean, this is a general comment, but some people in our industry will just go and put a bunch of pen and t-shirt and baseball hat ideas because they, that's what they think the customer wants. The, the, the customer just wants product ideas. And while that may be the case, I think that the most successful among us in this business are the ones that say, well, hey, let's stop here for a second. Success look like when you order these products. And if you order these thousand pens, what is it that you want from that? And then some really interesting discussions can come from that because if, for example, they're looking to reward the, the, the highest profile, largest customers at the trade show, well, if they're doing a thousand 50 cent pens, they're probably not going to make uh, that that great of an impression. Whereas if they step up the budget and do a, a lower quantity and do something that's really cool and high perceived value, then that might be a better way to go about it. So I just, I wanted to sort of acknowledge that it's great, even in your field, you're not just pulling off stunts for the sake of it, but you're starting with this business evaluation and, and looking at their goals to make sure that you're delivering ROI for them. So like, I, I always use the example of like, and, and, yeah, I'm I'm old, so maybe not many people catch this reference. I, I think used, you're older than me, Saul. It's probably. Or, 
Uh, well, no, younger than me. Sorry, I you know. <laughs> but um, I, I used the example of America's Funniest Home Videos. It was like a show that Bob Saget uh, hosted in like the eighties or or whenever. And and the, the basic principle of the show was it was just people send in videos of like their their family, you know, getting kicked in the groin, and everyone just laughed uproariously. Um, when you're doing stunts or spectacles or ex- experiential marketing or even um, handing out things, uh, you know, from a promotions level you want it you know it, it shouldn't just be like a, a, a kick in the groin that everyone laughs you know it's there's got to be some substance to it and one of the easiest ways to do this is to really you know there's like a million skews that you can put your brand on how can you find that thing that is going to not only connect with your audience but what if you even flip the purpose or the use of that thing so one of the the, the examples and i'm sure you would have gotten to this this question later but i'm going to jump again um one of the best examples of of swag that i ever used um besides like t-shirts hanging from the ceiling i use swag all the time because people love that stuff one of the best examples was that you know the very first year we went to south by southwest and i know i'm kind of harping on that one event but it's just you know it's it's interesting um the stories that came out of there for us one of the first years i did my research on the event and you know from never attending not knowing what we could get away with and all these things my research told me that this was the place where you basically go and get blackout drunk and cheat on your spouse and have your company pay for it. You know, no, right. no real work is getting done. You're basically just grabbing business cards and following up, you know, at another time. So I took that information and I said, well, what could we do to stand out from the crowd? And we actually um, built hangover kits. And we put our our brand on them. So there were these little pouches and inside was like a Band-Aid and a Tylenol and a Lifesaver and some lip balm. And, and uh, I think we were, we we had conversations about putting a condom in it, but uh, at the time um, we we chose not to. And this was for um, FreshBooks, a company that is very near and dear to my heart. Um, So we did these, these hangover kits. And like I said, it's all about, how you distribute them, how you get the word out and things like that. Uh, we hired a bunch of college kids and at midnight, the first like real drinking night of the event, we hung um, these on every doorknob of the official hotel. So as people got off the elevator, they saw a sea of red um, all along the hallway. And when they got to their room, they saw that there was this little kid that had a little note in it and, and things like that and had all their supplies and making air quotes and with my fingers um, that they'll need to get through the the, the conference. So that was the hit of the conference. But even more than that, five years later, I met someone on the street who saw me wearing a FreshBooks uh, shirt and they reached into their, their bag mm. and they still use it as a coin purse. So that's like the mm. dream. You, you know, you hope it'll make it back to someone's desk. So they're looking at your logo over and over and over. But right. this person had carried around for five years because it was something that was actually useful. It, it you know, connected with them. There was a story. So um, you got to think a little bigger than just pen, you know, writing. Like, is there things that can actually be used in many different ways? Yeah. Well, that's a great example, right? And I think it really just comes down to whether the product is relevant, right? Does it actually connect with with the customer? I mean, you could have done a bunch of pens for a different market with a different use case, and it could have resonated just the same as a hangover kit at South by Southwest. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of us instinctively get it. But one of the challenges that a lot of people in the promo industry face is that the customer's in many cases, have their wallet out. They call and say, we've got that trade show in three days, or it could be three weeks, who cares? 
Um, we've got $5,000 to spend. You're uh, a, a promotional company that we normally work with. Can you just give us some ideas? And it's so easy to throw a bunch of ideas at the typical marketer mm-hmm. and get that $5,000 order. Of course, a lot of that business is now starting to go to the internet and there is a lot more competition, but I mean, I can under- understand why it happens. And I just, I just love that story where you just take it to the next level and it's not a bunch of, you know, um, mouse like pads. In- yeah, mouse pads. I mean, the mouse pad and the hangover kit might've been cool, but mm-hmm. who knows? Um, so Saul, you've, you've been in the marketing business for some time and, um, I'm sure have been pitched by many promotional products company over the years. And I'm curious to get your take on where our industry gets it wrong and where our industry gets it right when it comes to selling to an end client like you. So I think you answered that question already. I think like I want, you know, you know, the, so here's my experience working with promotional companies and, and you're very different and, you know, working with right sleeve and things like that. You guys actually also pitch ideas to to the brand at least that's been my experience working with you over the years uh whereas like some other promotional companies they just hand you the 500 page catalog that everybody has and you just sort of stamp you know their brand name on the front of it and and they're trying to um you know push the onus on you to figure out what you want. And I think, you know, and and that's fine if, you know, your promotions company is sort of like a passive income thing for you or, or, or stuff like that. But like, I, I want someone to, you know, be me. I want, like, I think every promotion company should have someone like me in house or, or actually have me in house. So someone comes to them and says, this is my problem. This is what we want to do. We want to stand out. We want to think and, and get not only pitched, you know, like the pens and the keychains and all those things, which are, are great and all those things work and they're fine. But like, what are you going to do with it? And I think, you know, because your, your industry and there's a huge generalization and please tell me if I'm way off base, but, um, you know, everyone's sort of working from the same product catalog. The ways the, 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 the different promotional companies can differentiate themselves are obviously on service and delivery and things like that. But it can also be really like expertise and subject matter expertise and all those things. And, and, and I think that's, you know, it's, it's probably like real estate a little bit. You know, the 80-20 rule, there's 20% who are getting 80% of the business because they get that and they offer their, their customers a completely different level of service. It's the exact same thing I'm trying to do. I'm trying to create a different experience for the brands I work with. And the really right. great promotional uh, companies are doing the exact same thing. They're trying to create the purchasing experience to be very different as opposed to just saying, you know, hey, you want baseball hats? We've got three different kinds and stuff like that. Right, right, right. So it's a little bit more of a focus on ideation and, and you know, being a little bit more strategic. And I think many, many folks in the industry and certainly many of them that would be listening to this podcast, I think, <laughs> uh, instinctively get that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you you may have answered this question to some extent, but I'm always curious to ask. answer it again with an accent this time. You can if you'd like. Um, so if you were to start get into the business, right? So you, you've just now told all of us as to what you think we do well and what we don't do well. If tomorrow you were to start uh, Saul Colt Promotions, uh, hopefully you could come up with a better name than that. But what would you do to differentiate yourself within this crowded market? Uh, what I do to differentiate myself? It's tough. Um, you know, first thing I would do, and, and this is where I start with any project. So this might 
put people to sleep is I want to do a lot of customer identification. Who's actually buying this stuff? And I'm going to cater something just for them. So how am I going to stand out? I could give you the quick and easy, boring ideas. And I would say, you know, I'm going to print up a bunch of stuff with my, my own name and I'm going to treat myself like a customer and I'm going to mail them out to do campaigns. But I want to go much further. I want to have 25 conversations with people who regularly buy promotional products, whether they're going to be a, a customer of mine or, or not a customer of mine. I want to know why they do it and, and understand their motivation completely. And then I would design a crazy campaign around you know, those personas, knowing the information. So I'm, I'm, I'm rambling and I'm, it probably sounds like I'm not answering the question, but you know, like, the way I come up with ideas is having all the information. Um, if I can't come up with something incredible in an hour, it just means I don't have all the information. How I would differentiate myself right now is I'd get the information and plan a cool idea. But if you want just the quick and dirty thing, I would hold a carnival downtown and I would have bouncy castles and everyone in there gets the whole thing. Or, or actually, you know, as silly as that sounds, you do a, a carnival with skee ball and things, and instead of getting like the, the the junky stuff that people can collect their their tickets for, I'd give them really cool stuff from our catalog and and host like kind of like a business person's sort of like lunch retreat, right? With bouncy castles, I yes. love it. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 your target audience would be like bankers, right? Exactly. <laughs> Just in finishing things off, do you want to give finishing folks, things uh, off? I'm just getting, I'm hitting my stride. If I was, really, <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm. <laughs> we got to cut you off. Geez, no, you, I'm don't, kidding. <laughs> you don't. You, you use some 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 double speak for one answer, and you get thrown off the show. Holy crap! <laughs> that, right. that is that is true. That is well, you know, our live audience right now is just you know voting, but <laughs> um, but I want I want to I want to turn. Um, to talk a little bit about y- y- your presentation. So you're going to be keynoting at, at uh, SKUCon and uh, lots of folks are excited to hear what you have to say. Um, do you want to give people a little sneak peek as to what it is that you'll be talking about? So I, I'm going to be talking about getting creative with your marketing and, and having the courage to take some chances. Um, I, I may actually also talk a little bit about how to find like sort of your first thousand customers, but the core of the message is really going to be um, taking some chances and how to do it safely and, and standing out from the crowd, especially in a crowded marketplace. And, and like you said, how would you do it? I don't have the answer now, but I'm going to have the answer by the time we, we get to SKUCon. That's true. Well, I kind of put you on the spot, right? That I do that with a lot of people, so it's not entirely fair. So you'll have but a couple I, months to, uh, I, I to prepare. I bet everyone else answered the question better than I did. You exposed me, Mark. That is true. I exposed you, and I'm almost kicking you off the show. But I actually have a you know a resurgence of energy here, and I, I want to talk about one, <laughs> maybe one or two other things, and it, and and I. I think that this could have an interesting tie-in to sales. So work with me here. So you ran, a, I suppose, a stunt, or I don't know what you want to call it, but you were looking for your next client, okay? Mm-hmm. And this was, what, maybe about a year or so ago. And you said, well, you know, there's there's two ways I can do this. The one way I can do it is the, is the traditional way where I go out to a bunch of clients and say, I'm this agency and I can generate great results for you. And then you go into the RFP pile or the boring pile or whatever. And you turned it on its head and said, you know what? These companies will have to apply 
in order for me to go and do a contract with them. So you turn it on the table. And I remember I saw this on Facebook and I thought, Saul is officially a complete wingnut. And I always knew you were a bit of a wingnut, but I thought like this, that there's no way this is going to work. I want you to guide me through that process. You, you'll probably tell the story a little bit better than I am right now. Redeem yourself. Then we'll get into how I think this could be a really ingenious way for people in the promotional products business to turn the tables on their clients when it comes to securing new business. So tell sure. us the story. Okay. So um, about 18 months ago, I just finished a, a contract uh, with a company and I, you know, sort of looking around trying to figure out what I want to do next. And, you know, as you guys can maybe determine a little bit from this conversation, I love to push the limits and I'm not everybody's cup of tea. And when you're, you know, not everyone's cup of tea, the thing you, you desire most from your career is, is fit. So I figured, well, how can I really get proper fit with the the rest of my career. And I decided that I'm not going to apply for jobs anymore. It's a waste of my time. It's a waste of other people's times. Um, if a company wants to work for me, they're going to have to apply to work with me. And the reason I, I thought I could get away with it is like, I, I've, Gone, I've had a pretty, you know, remarkable career up to this point. There's certainly been highs and lows like everybody, but, you know, from a results standpoint, um, there's almost nobody that, that um, is on par with some of the things I've done in my career. And I figured that you only get one chance to take like a crazy leap to do something ridiculous. And I decided this was going to be my chance. So I had a contest and the contest was to win me as an employee and the, the whole, um, concept was that I got to be the HR person. I was the one conducting the interview. Brands had to apply for me. And just because they applied didn't mean that we went through the traditional route. Right from beginning to end, I owned the experience and I was the one that was making decisions and determining scheduling and the whole deal and, and you know, sort of driving the conversation. So I, you know, I created a little website and, and, promoted it and got picked up by media a little bit. And, uh, you know, I had 45 companies apply to work for me. Um, about half of them were legitimately people I would be interested in. Um, from there, there was about seven that I considered like truly, or there was seven that I interviewed and uh, there's about two I, I considered um, joining. And then finally, I joined one company and, and uh, you know, signed on for a year and did another year-long contract with them and, and did really inspiring work for them and helped build their brand to a place where, um, you know, they, they absolutely weren't before I joined the company. So, um, you know, and that contract ended in, in around March of this year, and I considered doing it again. But I also thought, you know, it's way too early, and it looks sort of crass to, to keep keep going back to the same well. So I, I sort of just reached out through my network and, and picked up more clients and keep moving forward, building my agency. But, you know, like, I truly believe that you, you know, there's no reason in having a network if you're not going to use it. There's no reason having a career if you're not going to sort of leverage it. There's no reason having, you know, experience and being able to point to things you're proud of if, if you're not going to share them with people. So um, yeah. this was sort of like my big chance to, to do it. And, you know, worked out for me again because, you know, and here, here's the thing I've learned throughout my career. When things like don't work out the way you uh, think they are, like as long as they didn't blow up in your face, you just move on. It's no big deal. So if nobody applied and I didn't, uh, you know, set the world on fire with this crazy thing, at least I did it. Yeah. And, you know, yep. I can always go back and start applying for, for roles or, or go out and get clients like I did this time. 
Right. There's a couple of things that I wanted to say about that. So A, uh, kudos to you for being brave to do it. Um, I mean, I'm sure I wasn't the only person who thought that you were completely crazy. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, you know, take I noticed that as a you didn't call and apply to work for me. That's true. That's, that's true. But, you know, we're 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 very straight laced. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> but but well, so there's two things I wanted to say. So first of which. Um, you clearly know who your customer is or employer or who, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know who your customer is not. And I think that if, if I try to relate it back to our industry, a lot of people in the promo business struggle with customer segmentation and they'll sell the same baseball hat to a variety of different people, whether from different industries or different use types or whatever the case may be. And they just become a generalist and not particularly good at any one particular thing. And so in your case, I love the fact that you're like, listen, I, I, RBC, and I'm just using this as an example, they, they may love you, but I'm going to assume that a conservative bank may say, you know what, Saul Colt, I'm just not, I'm just not into you. And I suspect that you would probably say, Hey, with respect, there's not an opportunity to work with you either. And and maybe I shouldn't be using that as a specific example, but you, well, you kind of thank get you for head. eliminating them from ever calling me. Mark. That's true. Well, you know, we could like, we could like muffle that out. It'd be like, Ruby or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that, that's my first comment is this whole idea about focus. You really right. understand who your customer is and you totally go after them. So I, I'm going to, um, I'm going to, uh, interrupt and correct you and say like, you know, working for RBC or any of the major banks or working for giant, you know, telcos or things like that. That's actually the most interesting project for me because I want to break them out of their comfort right. zones. I want them to stop doing me too advertising and take some chances. So in that particular case, I'm all in, but there's no way that they would, you know, you know, look at me and say, well, we've got, we're already paying, you know, $3 million a year to, to this ad agency or that agency. Um, I just don't think they would even know what to do with me. But like that to me, like going and shaking up a giant organization is, is like the dream. But at the same time, I agree with what you're saying. Um, I totally know. So for me, it's not size of company. It's not, you know, length of being in business. It's not any of those things. It's really mindset. Are they willing to take right. some risks? Um, because, right. Like I want to do more things in ceilings of convention centers. I want to do more things on, you know, like without permission. And, and it takes a certain brand to be willing to do that sort of stuff. Right, right. The other thing that came to mind um, about, you know, the experience that I think a lot of us in the promo business have is the is when the client is is fully in charge so the client may be presenting an rfp or they might get a bunch of promotional products vendors together and say hey give us your best ideas or can you uh, give us the lowest price on this particular product or whatever the case may be i remember thinking it takes a really brave brand a really brave person a really brave promotional products company for for this specific example to go and stand up to a client and say, you know what, uh, either A, our values are not in alignment, or B, this is the kind of company we are, this is the kind of client that fits with us, and we would love the opportunity to work with you, but if it doesn't work for you, then we are prepared to move on. And a lot of people don't do that. So in your case, it's an extreme example. Like I'm not sure if I think of right sleeve, whether right sleeve would go out into the market and say, you have to interview us in order to get business or in order for us to do business with each other. I mean, Hey, it's maybe a neat idea. Um, but we've done variations of that before where we've sat down and been very frank with customers to say, 
I'm not sure there's the right fit here if this is the way that you're going to proceed with an RFP or this is the way that you're going to view the promotional products medium because this is the kind of client that we're looking for. And sometimes you have those conversations where you just move on. So I think it takes some confidence. It, it takes absolute confidence. And, and I know this is all BS. Like if, if you've got bills to pay and, and you know, you're struggling, you're going to take whatever you can. But, you know, it, it it's 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 almost like romantic uh, uh, advice or bad advice. I don't take this advice, but by turning away people that are going to frustrate you and soak up all your time, it opens you up to actually finding the right kind of customers that, that are out there and things like that. So as long as you're not distracted and you're still focused, it, you know you're going to work on the the type of projects you want to work on. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, this is really the finale here, Saul, and I have also super enjoyed this. It's gone by really, really quick. Um, any is last? This, has this been the best one you've done, like ever? Um, it's it is definitely up there. I think we're gonna have to, you know, see what the listeners have to say. But um, you know, maybe the listener, like I'll have to ask my mom, for instance, to mm-hmm. see what she thinks. But uh... <laughs> hey, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a. a, a a challenge. So would you say most of the people who listen to this podcast will be at the conference? There'll be a fair number that will be at the conference. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, and this is completely like pulling this out of my backside here. And I don't know if we're allowed to speak salty on your show, um, but I'm going to create, oh, I'm going to create a cool experience for the conference. And if people find me um, and you're open-minded, we'll go do something fun in Vegas. <laughs> All right. So we'll, we'll kind of leave that as like, uh, you know, we'll kind of dangle that out there. Is that, is that what we're going to do? Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be like lame stuff. We're not going to go to like a shooting range that everybody does and all that stuff. Like I will create a cool, fun experience for a handful of people and we'll go do something fun in Vegas. <laughs> all right. Well, there you go. I, I, I think that'll be awesome. But uh, is, is that your final word? You're dumbfounded. This is amazing. See, I'm adding I, value to the conference already. <laughs> I think we need to have the conference now. It's going to be, I can't wait. You know what? I, I'm just laughing because I know you're going to get a bunch of people who are going to take you up on it. So um, <laughs> it's going to be good. Awesome. I, hey, Saul, um, thanks again, man. This was so great for you to, to take a little bit of time out of your day and uh, for us to have a little chat and to introduce you to uh, the, the common SKU crowd, the SKUCon crowd. And it's going to be a real trip. So thanks so much, my friend. Yeah, that's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. You bet. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of SkewCast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to SkewCast on iTunes or to our blog at community.commonskew.com. Until next time, friends. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.